0: They never really let you go, do they? It's so mean, so merciless, but they don't let you give up. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. The Steelers, of course, had Sunday off still recovering, no doubt, from both the physical and mental wounds of everything that went wrong last Thursday in Minneapolis. But they had, in their own weird way, a pretty productive Sunday. Watching the Ravens lose, and thus leaving the top of the AFC North, Somewhat in doubt. And then watching the Bengals lose in overtime. Terrific game, by the way. To the 49ers. Cleveland beat Baltimore 24-22, and San Francisco beat Cincinnati 26-23. So they were both really good games that both had really favorable outcomes as far as the Steelers are concerned. And I know, I know, it's not going to happen. There's one advanced statistical measure that shows the Steelers have no better than a 7% chance of getting into the playoffs. But there are two different ways of looking at getting into the playoffs. One is the AFC picture, which does in fact look really daunting. If you lay it all out, the Steelers are currently the 11th playoff seed in a format that even though it's expanded is only going to take seven teams the seventh of those teams are the buffalo bills who i neglected to mention also lost they're now 7 and 6 the steelers of course are at 6 6 and 1 also on the playoff bubble and this is where it gets interesting are the browns at 7 and 6 Eighth in the conference, the Bengals at seven and six, who are now ninth, and then the Broncos also at seven and six at tenth. And the reason that I'm emphasizing the AFC North is that everything that everyone's expecting to happen to the Ravens is happening. Not necessarily of their own fault either. They're now 8-5, they're 4th in the conference, and they're atop the AFC North. But they were beyond banged up, brutally banged up in their defensive secondary, and we saw Marlon Humphrey go down right here in Pittsburgh last week. And then Lamar Jackson gets carted off with an ankle injury. We'll have to see how that goes, but... It's already looking like the Ravens are going to fall totally out of the picture, not just the top of the north. So what you're really looking at here, if you are a Steelers fan who maintains hope, and I'm pretty sure that comprises at least a healthy minority of you, it's, you know, it's it's there. It's still there. What the Steelers would have to do is win the division in which they're currently in last place. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu look i'm not here predicting anything i'm the one who said last week before flying up to cover that game that that was the one that the steelers most needed to have because it was the opponent that was most susceptible and we did see in the second half why that is but it wasn't a good enough result. Pat Friermuth needed to somehow hang on to that ball, even with Harrison Smith swatting it away. That needed to be a result, a real victory, not a moral victory of any kind. And it wasn't. But what you have here, what's left over, let's presume that Baltimore does fall out. Let's presume that the Ravens uh, everything comes down to that final game at MNT Bank Stadium between the Steelers and the Ravens and let's presume that the Steelers win it okay I'm again not making a prediction here I'm trying to lay out a scenario what you have in the interim is a three-team race for first in the AFC North between and I'm going to read you these records again the Browns and Bengals, both at seven and six, the Steelers at six, six and one. My friends, in any other year, in any other circumstance, you would look at that scenario and say, "Well, heck yeah! Are you kidding? That's very possible with, with four whole games left. Sure, anything can happen. Why not unleash hell or whatever? You know." But we're not there. I'm not there. I'd be surprised if you were. Why is that? What, what is so terribly daunting, so impossible about the idea that a team that is totally ravaged by injury will fall out of the picture and that the Steelers would only need to squeak ahead Of the Browns and Bengals to win the division, in which case it doesn't matter where they stand in the conference. The conference doesn't matter at all. Division champs going to get in regardless. What's impossible about it? The remainder of the schedule, of course, shows that the Titans are here next week. Titans have had their own significant issues with injuries, not least of which was losing... Derrick Henry a while back and then the Steelers will play the Chiefs and that'll be at Arrowhead and that will not go well. If anybody's seen what Kansas City is doing on defense allowing an average of just 10.8 points per game over the last six weeks then you're going to know that it really doesn't matter all that much that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are figuring it out again. Steelers won't win that game. But the other three, the other three are there to be had. They can beat the Titans if they tackle. Detail, but we'll be talking about that sort of thing later in the week. They can beat the Browns. They've already done that, and they did it up there. And the Browns aren't in the greatest shape either. Although, Baker Mayfield being in or out is always a subject for debate as to whether or not that makes the Browns better or worse. And then, there's that finale against the Ravens. This isn't unthinkable. This also isn't something that's going to result in some great achievement. As I see it, the goal for this football team, and a satisfactory one, within the context of having this disastrous offensive line and all these injuries on the defensive side would be for Ben Roethlisberger in his final season to get this team into the playoffs. I see that as something that's worthy of applauding. I see that as an honorable goal. I also see it as a still curiously realistic one. When we come back, just one question. For just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at LGKG.com. And today's J1Q comes from William who asks, What bone-crushing inside linebacker with average speed but excellent ball sense and field awareness is ready to get off the couch for one more run? Picture an amalgam of Ham, Harrison, and Blunt. Nothing like dreaming, my man. Uh, that player, for sure, does not exist. However, however, I am feeling your vibe. And as such, I am feeling continued, extended regret over the Steelers' decision to basically throw away Vince Williams. I understand It's 2021. I understand, as did Vinny himself, that the nature of his position was changing so quickly and to such a dramatic extent that he was going to get knocked out of the game before he wanted to be. And that is how it turned out. His career might have been extended had he had continued accompaniment by someone like Ryan Shazier or what the Steelers thought they were getting in Devin Bush. Someone else to cover. But if you follow the models of the teams with the defenses that were being most successful, and I'm looking in particular really at the Tampa Bay Bucks and what they were able to do with their inside linebackers, and having two guys who could just, and Devin White obviously being the main one, who could do everything, get all over the field, go sideline to sideline, take away screen passes, uh, not let anybody stretch anything horizontally, and run-stop in the old-school way, Lawrence Timmons, Hardy, Nickerson, so forth, then you'd really have something. But it didn't work out that way. And a decision was made to take a heart and soul player, a guy who was going to run through a wall for you to stop the run, and when he got there, actually stop the run, and to replace him with, ultimately, Joe Schobert. And I didn't like the Schobert acquisition when it happened, he had some moments, but he also was known to have dropped off quite a bit from the time when everybody was singing about him in Cleveland. When he ran into a whole bunch of takeaways. I don't know how, watching him now, but he did, to his credit. Between Schobert and what ended up happening to Bush, which is another story unto itself... And then Robert Spillane running into some injuries. You've had nothing there. You've had nothing there. So who's going to come off the couch, William? Nobody. Who's going to play inside linebacker this week against a Tennessee offense that still takes a lot of pride in its running game, even without Henry? Well, Tomlin did put Buddy Johnson out there in Minneapolis. Uh, He even... Went out of his way to mention exactly that afterward. He put Marcus Allen out there. Marcus Allen got torched on a big first down the Vikings had there late. Marcus Allen isn't that much of an impact football player. I'm trying to find a way to say that without being mean. He, he is what he is. He's a special teams guy. And Ulysses Gilbert. And they're not out there. They're not out there. So either Tomlin goes through a week of practice of trying to scare these guys into being the best versions of themselves, or he accepts that the best versions of themselves really isn't anything worth pushing for and says we're going to try some different people here. But the idea that there's going to be some kind of uh, practice squad acquisition parade going through South Water Street this week. I'm not anticipating that. I do think you'll see one or two guys come in as reinforcements, uh, both on the defensive line and on the offensive line, because of some injury statuses. But I don't think you're going to see inside linebacker tryouts this week on the south side. I do think that Buddy Johnson is going to be able to get on the field against Tennessee, maybe a little bit more than he did against Minnesota. But he'd have to do it with just the most simplified form of the defensive scheme. And even then, let's remember that Bush is also the signal caller. So you're taking him off the field, you're taking the green dot, moving it somewhere else, and it just becomes... A really, really, really difficult change to make three quarters of the way through the season. That is why I keep swinging everything back to last summer when all of these decisions were made and when they were so easy to question at the time, not just now that it's become convenient and visible to everybody. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. And I got to tell you, I'm going to appreciate all the more that the Steelers are, for some reason, making Bush available to speak with the media today for the first time in a while. It feels like the continuation of a pattern that began in Minneapolis with sending Chase Claypool out answer questions from us after all his hijinks that night so we should have plenty to talk about that's for sure let's do it again tomorrow